0: Welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Opening music today, O Aventureiro by Manari from the album Brazos da Amazonia from Brazil. Aventureiro" means the adventurer and it was included in the first radio broadcast in Brazil in 1923. This is WaveScan Edition NWS 636 for release on Sunday, May 2nd, 2021. On the program today, the radio scene in Brazil, the early medium wave years. Our Japan DX report and much more. The interesting story of medium-wave radio broadcasting in the South American country of Brazil can be traced back to its very earliest beginnings in the year 1922, when a temporary demonstration station was installed in what was back then their national capital city, Rio de Janeiro. The Independence Centenary International Exposition, as it was known in English, was opened for a little over half a year and it was staged as a 100th anniversary celebration of Brazilian independence. Here's Ray Robinson now with the early medium wave years in Brazil.
1: Thanks Jeff. This World Expo was held in Rio de Janeiro from September 7th 1922 to March 23rd 1923 and it was planned as an opportunity to display Brazil's growing industrial development and also to focus on the nation's increasing potential in the international marketplace. The fair pavilions were constructed alongside Rio Branco Avenue in a landed area of Rio that was specially built just for the occasion. The Brazil Expo, which attracted participation from 14 countries in Europe, Asia and the Americas, was staged in a dozen specially designed and newly built tall, ornate pavilions. The rolling attendance from all over the world was in excess of 3 million people. The location for a unique though temporary radio broadcasting station during the Expo was the summit of Mount Corcovado upon which subsequently stood the Catholic-inspired Statue of Christ the Redeemer. This statue, standing 125 feet tall, is only a little lower than the equally famous Statue of Liberty in New York. Back at the time of the radio station in 1922, the basic platform for the Christ the Redeemer statue had already been constructed. In preparation for the World Expo radio broadcasting station in Brazil, Mr L.A. Osborne, President of Westinghouse at East Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, visited Rio de Janeiro. He received approval for the installation of the station from both the government and from the management of the Brazilian Light and Traction Company, upon whose land the station would be installed. The Brazilian Light and Traction Company was already operating a Swiss-made passenger cog railway up the side of Mount Corcovado, and they agreed to provide electricity for the radio station. The new medium wave broadcasting station for Rio de Janeiro was similar in design and layout to the already famous two-year-old KDKA in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The original medium wave WJZ in Newark, New Jersey was also a similar copy of KDKA. The equipment for this new radio station in Brazil was manufactured and assembled at the Westinghouse factory in Pennsylvania. It was tested on air and it was then packed and shipped to Rio in June 1922. Two self-supporting aerial masts were erected at the top of Mount Corcovado, each standing 125 feet tall, 153 feet apart, and a six-wire flat-top antenna system was suspended between the two masts. Back then, a counterpoise system was normally suspended above ground level underneath the aerial system, but in this case the counterpoise in two widely separated sections was suspended above ground level but running down the mountainside for 100 feet. The radio frequency feed from the transmitter was fed by a single wire running up the mountainside to the antenna system. The antenna system for this radio station was at times above cloud level, and there must have been some form of protection from lightning strikes. However, there's no record of lightning causing any damage to the electronic equipment. The official call sign for this new radio broadcasting station was SPC, and the original operating channel was the standard North American channel 450 metres, which corresponded to 666 kHz, though this was subsequently changed to 483 metres, 620 kHz. All of the radio equipment, the studio and the 750-watt transmitter, were accommodated in a single room made available by the Mountainside Tramway Company. Test broadcasts from SPC began on August 15, 1922, three weeks before the opening of the Independent Centenary International Exposition and programming came by landline directly from the downtown Grand Opera House. These live broadcasts, in Portuguese of course, were on the air each afternoon and each evening, and one of the musical renditions in the opera was O Aventurairo, The Adventurer, as we mentioned at the beginning of our programme today. Official broadcasting began ten days later, on August 25th 1922. Back then, very few people in Rio owned a radio receiver, and the sale of radio receivers in Brazil was actually prohibited by the government. However, Westinghouse installed public radio receivers with a loudspeaker at several different locations throughout the expo, and indeed throughout Rio itself, such as outside Monroe Palace, at Praia Vermelha, and at the American Pavilion in the expo. The inaugural speech at the opening of the Independent Centenary International Exposition was presented by His Excellency, the President of Brazil, Senor Epitácio Lindolfo da Silva Pessoa. The auspicious events in the opening of the expo were also broadcast over radio station SPC. Newspaper reports and monitoring reports from ships at sea indicated that the programming from radio station SPC was always heard loud and clear. Additionally, coverage tests with a radio receiver in a motor car were conducted throughout Rio and beyond. This very unusual and now historic radio broadcasting station was on the air throughout the entire seven-month lifetime of the Expo in Rio. When the Expo was finally closed on March 23rd of the following year, 1923, the radio station was also closed. The station was entirely dismantled and then totally removed from its mountaintop location and placed in storage in Rio de Janeiro. But that's not the end of the story, because a newly authorised medium wave station in New York City, WNYC, happened to be looking for suitable radio equipment. New transmitters were expensive and not readily available. So instead, they procured the now silent Westinghouse SPC from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and installed it on the 25th floor of the municipal building at 1 Center Street, New York, and erected the antenna on the roof above. A photograph of the historic SPCWNYC transmitter is shown in the American radio magazine Radio News for October 1924 on page 476. New York's new medium-wave station, WNYC, was officially opened with a special inaugural ceremony on the evening of Tuesday, July 8th, 1924. The station was owned by the City of New York. It radiated 1 kilowatt on 570 kilohertz, and its daily schedule of programming began each evening at 7.30pm. Over the intervening years of close to a century, New York's WNYC has undergone many changes and developments. The original studios were in the Municipal Building, and subsequent locations have been on Varick Street and at Hudson Square. Ownership has changed also, though there's still a public station, not a commercial station. The transmitter location was moved from the Municipal Building to Greenpoint, New York, and then to Kearney in nearby New Jersey. Four different medium wave channels have been allotted to WNYC over the years, and they operate today as one of New York's most valuable radio stations with 10 kilowatts on 820 kHz. Radio station WNYC has also made two different attempts to implement shortwave transmissions. In 1937, they requested approval from the FCC to operate a shortwave relay station as a programme feed to other public radio stations throughout the United States, though this request was denied. And then three years later, beginning in 1940, they did operate a small one kilowatt shortwave transmitter under the callsign W2XVP. This broadcast on 26.1 MHz, initially with the intention of countering the shortwave punch of the Axis powers with broadcasts in Spanish or Portuguese to South America. However, that was somewhat of an overreach, and they instead settled on using it from 7 to 9pm nightly to rebroadcast regular programming from WMYC, which at that time closed down at sunset. This lasted until 1942, when this transmitter was also dismantled to make way for a new FM transmitter used to launch WNYC-FM in March 1943. Evidence would suggest that the historic original medium-wave transmitter was discarded, perhaps in 1928, at the time when a new antenna system was installed. Back to you, Jeff.
0: Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles. Well, shortwave signals are one way that official time is disseminated across the country of Canada. Interesting article was in a recent edition of uh, Radio World by James Careless, and he's talking about uh, the station CHU. CHU, Canada. Coordinated Universal Time, 4 hours, 28 minutes,
2: 4 hours, 28 minutes.
0: It's nestled in a farmer's field in southwestern Ontario, Canada, in a protected area known as the Greenbelt, surrounded by miles of sprawling suburbia. It is CHU, Canada's own automated time station. Operating from a 1940s-era transmitter building and three vertical antenna towers, CHU broadcasts automated voice time signals in both English and French 24-7. Its broadcasts are transmitted on 3.33, 7.85, and 14.67 megahertz, and are heard through central and eastern Canada and the eastern United States, plus many other areas of the planet on a regular basis. CHU's time service is operated by Canada's National Research Council, with the station being remotely controlled from the NRC's Montreal Road headquarters in central Ottawa, some 12 miles away. The time signals are based on CHU's trio of atomic clocks on-site, which are constantly checked against the atomic clocks at NRC headquarters. We're equipped with 1960s-era 10-kilowatt transmitters that have been highly modified over the years," said Bill Hoger. He is the Research Council officer who maintains the unmanned station, as part of his overall duties, along with two other off-site technicians, before we moved to 7.85 from 7.335 megahertz in 2009, due to an ITU frequency reallocation, we ran 7.335 megahertz at 10 kilowatts, our highest output power at CHU. Said Hoger, but after the move, we got complaints from a person in New Zealand who said we were causing interference, so we cut our power to 5 kilowatts peak. CHU's other transmissions run at lower powers. CHU was launched as experimental station 9CC at the Dominion Observatory in downtown Ottawa. Regular time broadcasts began using the callsign VE90B in 1929. In 1938 it became CHU, and in 1947 the station was moved to its current flat rural site, in a project to boost its transmitting power, enlarge its antenna farm, and extend its reach. The idea behind VE90B, or CHU, was to provide accurate timekeeping information to people across Canada, especially those in rural and remote areas who needed accurate time and didn't have local access to it. The country's vast spaces and its government's determination to bridge them is why it has been a pioneer in national microwave and satellite communications for decades. Initially, our service was just a constant frequency with patterns of Morse code pulses in it to indicate the time, said Hoger. More Morse code information such as station identification was added in the 1930s with recorded voice time messages coming from a mechanical speaking clock starting in 1952. The system used recorded time announcements on film, whose playback was controlled remotely by the clocks. We then went to digital playback in the 1990s, he said. In its early days, CHU had personnel on site, but today the station runs itself with occasional human intervention. Still, it has the following. We receive listener reports from around the world and send out QSLs on a regular basis, said Hoger. Meanwhile, the NRC keeps this 1940s facility maintained and repaired. That article by James Careless in Radio World. CHU Canada, temps
2: universel coordonne 4 heures, 31 minutes, 4 hours, 31 minutes.
0: CHU there in Canada. Well now we go to an interview with Matt Deutsch, chief engineer for radio station WWV in Fort Collins, Colorado. This station is unique as it provides the time of day all day, every day, and has been running for over 101 years. Aaron Castillo of the program Electronic Echoes on kpcradio.com in California spoke with Matt Deutsch about the challenges of keeping up this station and what the purpose is of giving out the time on shortwave.
2: Greetings from from what we uh, we sometimes say is what we believe to be the world's oldest continuously broadcasting radio station. Uh, a lot of people might dispute that, uh, depending on how you define continuous, but uh, still, it still still sounds good. WWB broadcast. Coordinated Universal Time. So, could you please explain to us UTC? So, could you please explain to us what UTC is and why it is the standard of time in shortwave radio? Okay, yeah, it's a, a good point. Is that we do broadcast since our broadcasts are on shortwave, they go virtually worldwide. Uh, can be heard uh, if conditions are right and you have a good receiver. It can be heard just about anywhere in the world and. We broadcast UTC, which some people would um, also call Zulu time or Greenwich Mean time. What it is is a, a, uh, you know, the time on the prime meridian. And since, you know, everyone in the world has got to, you know, doesn't want to convert to their time zone, you know, from if we broadcast mountain standard time, uh, what makes it easier is just going with the UTC or the GMT, as some people call it. That makes it easier to compare uh, your timestamp on something to someone else's timestamp. So it's sort of, you know, you know, if, if someone's at the North Pole and they're not at a times on a time zone, then they uh, they would use UTC and uh, makes it a lot easier for everybody. All right. So could you tell me about what got you into radio? What was your first memory with the medium? Wow, it's. Uh, I was reflecting on that last night um, after reading your email, and I guess I would have to go back to when I was in junior high school and the uh, persuaded my parents to buy me a uh, AM/FM radio, which was pretty extravagant back then. Uh, AM/FM radio to have in my bedroom and listen to uh, music, and what got me interested in in uh, other things than just listening to music was the fact that at night, sometimes the local stations would go away. I'd tune through the dial and I'd hear Los Angeles or New York City or New Orleans. And I I was just shocked that the radio signals were going that, that far and it was reliable. I could, night after night could get there. And so um, I said, I've I've got to expand my radio experience here and was looking for an upgrade to radio. And my parents said, you might also be interested in like police radio and and fire. And and so I I went out and bought a Sears Roebuck Roebuck multi-band, five-band radio and took that home and just sat there and and dialed through all the different things that you could hear. And one of the things was a shortwave band. And of course, one of the first things I came across was WWV listening WWV and so I I annoyed everyone in the household by going around setting everyone's clocks because you know we used back in that day we used to plug the clocks into the the wall outlet and so I'd go around make sure everyone's clocks were on time and if we had a power outage I'd go out and set everyone's clocks to the exact second.
0: That was Matt Deutsch chief engineer of WWV speaking with Aaron Castillo of the Electronic Echoes program on kpcradio.com in Los Angeles. We'll have more of their conversation next time on WaveScan.
3: Hello and welcome to the DX Report of the Month from Japan Shotev Club, aided by Toshi Otake and Amyuki Kotsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. HLL Seoul Meteorological Radio from Republic of Korea was heard on 5857.5 5857.5 kilohertz on USB mode on April 1st from 1308 to 1356 UTC in English, Japanese, Chinese, and Korean. SIO rating was 544. Meteorological information was presented by a female announcer. TWNX via Naga City, Philippines was heard on 1611 kHz on March 24th, from 2030 to 2052 UTC in Filipino language. Talk program by two male and female announcers was on the air. ID was given at 2040. Radio New Zealand Pacific was heard on 7245 kHz on April 1st, from 1227 to 1240 UTC in English. SIO rating was 544. Pop music and ABC News were aired. All India Radio from Bengaluru was received on 15030 Klehot on April 5th from 0130 to 0150 UTC in Indonesian. SIO rating was 252, then down to 222. Interval signal and ID were given at 0130. Then news started. Interference from a Chinese station on 15030 kHz started at 0148. BBC via Oman was heard on 9580 kHz on April 5th from 2159 with interval signal to the sign-off at 2300 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. World News was broadcast at 2200, followed by Newsroom and News, then World Business Report at 2232. Voice of Turkey was heard on 9635 kHz on April eighth, from 1928 with interval signal to 1950 UTC in French. SIO rating was a 352. News and commentary were aired. Radio France International was heard on 15300 kHz on March 31st from 0835 to 0900 UTC in French. SIO rating was 352. News program was broadcast. ID was given at 0859. Parallel frequency 13695 kHz was SIO rating 353. VOA via Botswana was received on 6195 kHz on April 9th, from 2145 to 2200 UTC in English. SIO rating was 252. The program heard was pop music medley with talks by a female announcer. Closing announcement was given at 2159. K-N-L-S from Anchor Point, Alaska, was heard on 7355 kHz on April 1st, from 1245 to 1255 UTC in English. SIO rating was 544. Hymn and pop music programs were broadcast. ID and schedule announcement were given at 1254. Finally, Japan Shortwave Club will issue the QSL cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSL cards by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at jp. I'll repeat, jswcqsl at dot. J. P., We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248 8691, Japan. 1 ILC or 2 US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of the DX Report, we would like to thank Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Chiaki Shimada, Mr. Kazuaki Oikawa, and Mr. Sakae Onozawa for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us for our next edition of the DX Report of Japan short club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo.
0: And a few reception reports to end the program today. David Ansell in Horsham, Sussex, England. Heard wave scan via the Italian radio relay service at 1830 UTC on 7290 kilohertz, with excellent reception, he says. Uh, my town of Horsham is 37 miles south of London, and just west of Greenwich Meridian, zero degrees and 20 minutes west. And Donald Kesh Gupta in New Delhi, India, sends a report of wave scan, also at 1831 UTC on 7290 kilohertz, Sinpo 45333. Thank you very much to everyone who sends us reception reports here at WaveScan. And we end today's WaveScan with more of O Aventureiro from Brazil. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week... A radio facility in India is turned into a jail. And our Philippine DX report, among other items. Several QSL cards are available for Wayscan. Send your AWR and KSDA reports for the program to the AWR address in Thailand. Stay tuned for that. And also to the station your radio is tuned to. W-R-M-I or W-W-C-R or K-V-O-H or Voice of Up Africa or to IWRS Italy or to the AWR relay stations that carry wave scan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. The postal address for AWRQSL cards is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakanong, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. And the email address for other correspondence to Wavescan, other than reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone.